Hi, I'm Brad Blaylock. And I'm Brad McKeon, and welcome to The Brad Report. Warning, the Brad Report contains spoilers. This episode of the Brad Report is brought to you by Pillows, the head cushion. The Brad Report can be found on Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars only and make sure you subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Brad Report. And last week, we discussed Thor, the Dark World, easily one uh, one host of this show, least favorite Marvel movie. Um, and this week we will be belly flopping into the second movie of Captain America's trilogy, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And starting us off with our summary, I'm going to kick it to my co-host. After the cataclysmic events in New York with his fellow Avengers, Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, lives in the nation's capital as he tries to adjust to modern times. An attack on a S.H.I.E.L.D. colleague throws Roger into a web of intrigue that places the whole world at risk. Joining forces with the Black Widow and a new ally, the Falcon, Roger struggles to expose an ever-widening conspiracy. But he and his team soon come up up against an unexpected enemy, Bucky. Steve Rogers, Black Widow, Falcon, and Nick Fury rise together to stop Hydra and Bucky from destroying 20 million people in the world. Yeah, that's, that's pretty significant. <laughs> yeah, but I always said destroying the world, but... It's 20, 20 million. million. It's yeah, not 20 the world, million or so. Not the world. That's a that's lot. A big deal. That's very significant. <laughs> uh, that's a good summary. Well, I stole it, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's still good. Whoever wrote it, congrats to you. Thank you, Google. Thank you, Google. So... Getting into our themes, I've got uh, two themes. I could probably go more as we talk about uh, the characters and storytelling later on. But the first theme that I had was truth and lies Mm. and how you see this is very much an espionage film, which I thought was really cool that they they take Captain America, who is this soldier, but they put him in a a spy kind of Mm -hmm. uh, movie. And how often he is, you know, he's standing all about truth. You know, he he doesn't want to cut through it. He doesn't like to be lied to. He doesn't like to be misled. He doesn't like the secrecy sure. and doesn't like being held in the dark. And he makes that very plain with Nick and Natasha and also the villains in the movie and how he keeps coming up against the lies and the lies that we see with Hydra as they've been growing inside S.H.I.E.L.D. for mm. decades and how he finds the truth and then he exposes that and then uh, saves the day. Do you think that do you think that Captain America is a little misguided somewhat in in, in this endeavor a little bit? Like just in like his uh, his relation with Nick Fury. Right? Like you think he's a little too idealistic? A little bit. Like I think on, on some level, like Nick Fury doesn't owe him an explanation for everything that goes No, on. absolutely not. And it's not I don't, I don't think it's necessarily lying for his boss to not tell him every little piece of the puzzle. Right. Especially mm-hmm. in, in the organization that they're in the business they're in. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I don't think Nick Fury is at fault really for not telling cap everything. Yeah. I would say that he's not necessarily at fault because, you know, we both have bosses that don't tell us everything, you know? Um, I think everybody has a boss that doesn't tell them everything. Yeah. And that's just, we don't need to know. We don't need to know everything. Yeah. Like, we're not in, we're not in charge and um and that's okay you know but i think what he he felt slighted specifically with that first mission is like we're not all on the same page yeah i think is kind of so we're not all on the same page we're not we don't all have the same objectives mm-hmm. and you basically it's like us not being on the same page like gets could like get people killed sure and so, but yeah, I do agree with him. Um, now, I don't agree with Nick's 
ideology in that speech that he has when he shows him the helicarriers mm-hmm. with uh, stopping threats before they happen. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is just like, I mean, we see that theme um, twice. You know, this this theme comes up again with Tony in Ultron and mm-hmm. Age of Ultron. And it's. It's the and civil war and civil really. war. Yeah. It's like, we're going to stop these things before they happen. And he's like, that's not freedom. Right. You know, and we get that later on, uh, specific, specifically with Zola. But yeah. I think that that ideology is where Nick's a little misguided, but he definitely does not owe him everything. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing. I don't know. Sometimes well, I like this movie a lot. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I felt like Captain America. I was just like, dude, get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, Yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of, he's, I mean, back in World War II, whatever, he was like, he was the guy. He was the only guy. Yeah. And well, the the thing is, they, they painted, um, you know, the first movie is very black and white. Yeah. Right. Like these are literally Nazis. Nazis. Um, (laughs) Pretty easy. You know, it's like, okay. And there's like a simple flow chart, right? Yeah. Am I siding on the side of the Nazis? Yes, wrong. No, okay. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, it's a pretty clear flow chart, but here he, you know, it's between him and Nick Fury, and it's a little more more gray. And that kind of I so I listed my first my first theme is institutional distrust and misuse. Mm. And I think this is kind of interesting. Big so, words. <laughs> not really. You know the word institution. I know. <laughs> distrust. What? What? What does that mean? <laughs> Uh, and this is a kind of an interesting one for us, I think, because if you look at any like Pew Research or any like surveys, our generation trusts uh, just on aggregate, right? On like generalization, our generation trusts institutions way less than our parents. Generation. Oh yeah, and the generation under us trusts even less than we do, right? So this kind of uh, national trust of institutions is kind of evaporated, and this movie is really about that, right? So Shield. Drop the ball, right? Big time. They dropped the ball. They did. And Cap is starting to not trust this institution anymore. He's starting to, his trust in government is waning. And it's, it's a shift in his character. It's not a shift in his intrinsic character, right? So intrinsically, he is still who he is. Yeah. But in terms of his extrinsic relational properties, he's changing. Yeah. And it's really interesting. So you mentioned the first Captain America. He's the perfect soldier. Yeah. Right, he follows his commands to a T. He, you know, he's the perfect soldier. But what's interesting is, what do you do when you're the perfect soldier? When following orders isn't isn't necessarily the right thing, or listening to your commanding officer or your institution isn't the right thing, right? And that's kind of a, a tricky that's a tricky line to toe, right? Like, yeah, like what what is the right thing to do when you disagree with someone above you? Yeah. It's a tricky line. A very tricky line, especially when that person that's uh, above you could say, well, they're a traitor. We're now going to throw you in prison sure. or, and have you killed. Very tricky line. <laughs> uh, that Yeah, that's really, really good because it's he definitely distrusts and he like he wants to do the right thing. He even says he that in the yeah. movie. He says, I've been I've so long. All I want to do is do the right thing. Well, that's why I say like intrinsically, he's still him. Yeah, it's just these. His relational it, properties. And it really plays up on that on that man out of time mm-hmm. theme with him is just that the world's different and he's it's things aren't as black and white as they were for him. And, well, you know, like like you said, the Nazis are bad. Right. We want to beat the bad guys and just the complications and the grayness mm-hmm. of of the world and how even Pierce later on was says, if you knew that uh Pakistan was going to invade Mumbai and kill like thousands and thousands of people. Would you kill them before they even did it? Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like, well, maybe just arrest them. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. And this, this really sets up, I think Cap's art really well in the next Captain America movie. Oh yeah. Right. Cause, and I don't want to get too far ahead in the, the timeline, but, uh, this sets the precedent for why he's so against the uh, was it Sarko- Sokovia Accords. Accords, yeah. And this really sets up that precedent for why he has this deep, like institutional distrust. Yeah, it's really great. Um, 
my second theme is the cost of freedom. Okay. And, you know, you have this great speech with him as they're getting ready to infiltrate S.H.I.E.L.D. and have, you know, he says the, the cost of freedom is high and it's a price I'm willing to pay. And I think that's really, I mean, we pull up that a couple times because he tells Nick Fury early on, he says, this isn't freedom, this is fear. And then later on, again, with Zola, when they're having that kind of conversation, which is a really cool tie-in with mm. that character, I think, to because you don't have many, uh, when he's talking to him as the the computer in the old S.H.I.E.L.D. base. Yeah. And he says, you know, Hydra was founded the belief that, you know, humans cannot be trusted with their own freedom. But when we tried to take it from them, they resisted. And so they have to give it up willingly. And which is... Wow, I have that quote later on, but it's it's crazy to think that that's the the idea ideologies of of what freedom and safety is, and you know because we're like he, you know he get did give his life for for to save people for people to be free, and then um, you know he's willing to do it again and asking people to come alongside him and do that and. Uh, not be enslaved or in fear or just, well, I'm going to walk out my door and get shot by this helicarrier because I have hold to certain ideas. Yeah. And, you know, there's the other like flip side, the cost of freedom too, right? Like if, if people are, are free, then bad stuff will cool. inevitably happen. That is a cost of freedom, right? Absolutely. It's, not the, it's not the same as like someone laying down their life. So a group of people can be free, but the reality is that people suck, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, exactly. And some worse than others. And, and if, if people are truly free and they're allowed to do things, these atrocities will happen, right? And that's kind of um, like the catch twenty-two of the whole the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, my next theory or theory, <laughs> <laughs> my next thing is picking your allies carefully. Shield worked with a Hydra scientist, Zola, right? So after World War II, they pulled in this Hydra scientist. Operation um, Paperclip. Operation Paperclip to work with him to, and for him to help them create um, a safety net and stuff like that. And then it eventually festered and grew and incorporated into S.H.I.E.L.D. and kind of ruined the whole thing. But what's interesting... <laughs> Very much ruined the whole thing. Well, what's interesting is this isn't... You know, this is this is part of American history. history right? It actually happened. Yeah. So when you have the CIA, right, and this isn't a conspiracy theory... Congress released this in 2001, right? Yeah. Official document. I don't want anybody to think I'm spouting conspiracies here. But yeah, the CIA worked with Nazis on how to surveil citizens and how to develop surveillance. And a lot of our NSA programs and um, yeah. the way we do national security is based on Nazis. Some of the head scientists, uh, specifically Mr. Werner or Werner, I don't know how to pronounce it. Von Braun, mm -hmm. one of the most important scientists in NASA's history. Yeah, was a Nazi. We won the space race because we trusted a Nazi. Yeah, you know, and so like it's oh yeah, it's, 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 it's like ooh, I don't like that. Don't like that at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, and so it's it's. I think this maybe it does a pretty good job of like of critiquing tastefully real real world events and real uh, American history because that's a real thing that happened that yeah. that shouldn't have and we have some effects of it today exactly so. but we got to space first <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did which means we got microwaves first so hey there you go I'm thankful for microwaves I love microwaves one of our episodes was brought to you by brought to you by microwaves <laughs> one of our sponsors um, I don't have any more themes do you have some more just the the general theme of friendship mm. right so Natasha and cap form a really fun friendship in this movie uh, to the point where she's trying to get him to go on dates with with, with different girls and stuff and that's fun Falcon uh, the Falcon and Captain America develop a friendship, which is great. And then the most important one, I think, in this movie is is the friendship between Bucky and Cap. And obviously, Bucky doesn't really remember Captain. Yeah. Uh, or at least we don't think he does. He seems to, at one point, start to kind of remember him. And then Hydra wipes his mind or yeah. whatever you call that. 
But then at the end, it seems like something something stirring. Yeah, you know, he, he saved him. Right, he he pulls him out of the river and pulls him to shore. But yeah, that just this friendship. Yeah, I mean, it's really that's kind of like the heart of the latter half of the movie is Mm -hmm. cap struggle with his best friend when like, and they kind of compare it to when he visits Peggy is just like, she's old and she has like, she has some dementia issues, which is very heartbreaking. And um, these people were like the dearest people that he had. And he even says, you know, well, all the people in my, quartet are dead like mm-hmm. almost everybody he knew is dead and then he sees that bucky is almost ex- exactly the same and like how much that tears at him and as friendship does sometimes like as you connect yourself to people you mm-hmm. also open yourself up to being to being hurt Absolutely. and so anything else no themes all right storytelling the spy political thriller I remember back in college, I guess, when I heard that this was kind of be kind of the type of the movie that it was, mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't want that. Sure. And then you see it on screen and I just, you know, how awesome it was, how they connected it mm-hmm. together with, you know, give me more of Chris Evans fighting his Captain America in like even civilian clothes, like how awesome that was with the like the overpass scene. It was it really, was. It was really it was cool. Good. Yeah. Um, also, the music was awesome. Mm-hmm. The music was really, really good. And who did the score? I want to say Henry Jackman. Is that not right? Well, let's find out. Live, Spotify, and Googling. Yeah, uh, Google, Google. Henry Jackman. Hey, well hey. done. Well, done. well, well done. when I uh, used to study, I used to study to this soundtrack. Oh, that's a good one. So it's a uh, super fun. Do you always do like scores, like movie hero? I used to scores from stuff? like through college and sure. through uh, first several years of, of seminary. Now I'm on uh, a lo-fi kick, lo-fi music. Okay. So very Just ambient. Like little yeah, and, little beats yeah. and instrumental. No words. Help me focus. I, I, I like video game music a lot when I study. Yeah, I've heard about that. Because in video game music, they try and write it in a way that actually like helps you focus. Yeah. To focus on the video game. They try to. Try to. Yeah. No, I think it's good. I I like this. I like this tone for Cap a lot better. Because here's... It's hard sometimes for Cap to have like a true superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Because he's just a, a, dude, who's, a dude who's strong and fast. But not even like super fast. You know, he's just like... He's quicker. He, he can run 13 miles in 30 minutes. Right. He's not. Um, He's not the Flash or, or Quicksilver Thor or, or Thor. Yeah. Even Iron Man with a suit type of guy. He's, he's, he's a guy. And so I think just presenting him as uh, or putting him in situations where him just being in a, a well above average human is a really is a really benefiting for his character. and Makes it easy to watch. Yeah. I'm hoping that they continue more of this kind of style with uh the falcon and the winter soldier show that's coming out in a month yeah so just kind March of 19th, i think yeah so coming out in a just have this this spy kind of like jason Bourne, james bond type of feel to it where because they're they don't have superpowers i mean mm-hmm. you know falcon has this jetpack suit and bucky's got a metal arm and he's strong Exactly. And so just like put, make them like these spies and soldiers, you know, that would be awesome. Getting into some of the characters that make up this movie, we're going to begin with the, the leading man, Steve Rogers, Captain America. What did you think of him? thought he was great. I think that his development from the first movie to this movie is really interesting. They put him in new situations and his character evolved and changed, which I think is good. It's it's always kind of a bummer to get a sequel where the main character is just kind of the same person. You know, it doesn't really have any sort of growth or any type of um, 
big personal revelation or whatever, yeah. but he did, right? And he grew and he realized that the world's kind of black, not black and white, but more gray. And um, I, I thought he was really fun, actually. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. And I th- think this is one of the few movies where, you know, the sequel is actually better than the yes, it is. original. It is definitely better. And, you know, the Russo brothers are coming in directing it and they're going to be huge parts of the the Marvel movies moving forward. But I think, yeah, I think he really does a good job. And I think he also does a good job of, you know, I think I said this, uh, you know, communicating the sadness and feeling displaced and just kind of the sorrow of, yeah. you know, he's he's making the best of it. But at the same time, he's still kind of, he's still mourning and grieving that, um, you know, like life passed him by. Mm-hmm. Um, he's com- reminded that he's old fashioned and, but it's also like he develops a super, there's some funny parts to it as well. And, you know, the action scenes are great and so much better than <laughs> what this action scenes in the Avengers. Yeah. So, but yeah, he was really, really good. All right. Uh, Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson. I love her. Character. She's great in this movie. I love her She's, She's all, fun. Yeah. Uh, so I think like Scarlett Johansson is living her best life as Black Widow in this movie. Like uh, she's got great accent scenes. She like has drama. There's some history of like, you know, this guy I was trying to protect was killed and mm-hmm. I tried to track him down and I didn't. But also like super flirty with Cap which is super fun to watch and to see that how they like um, they have the great chemistry with one another. And I think her development has been nice too. Cause you know, at the end of this, she has to make a choice either protect herself or protect these people. Yeah. And as we've seen from other movies and just from her in this movie too, like protecting herself is very important to her. Yeah. Right? She does not like for people to know her past. She doesn't want people to know her past. She does not come naturally involved in her past. She's a very secretive person, and with good reason. I think you know we can see easily at this point that she's has has some trauma and some stuff that she's dealing with. I think we'll learn even more about that um, in the future with her new movie coming yeah. out. But she gets she has to choose between protecting herself or protecting others, and she protects others. Yeah, I think it's yeah. It was really cool. Like the line that kind of encapsulates her character is when she's talking about, you know, the truth is relative or whatever it is to all people. And so am I. And Steve's like, it's a hard way to live. And she says, but it's a good way to not die. Right. And so she's just like very protective. And then she kind of opens up to, to trust Steve, you know, as, as they become like really good friends and like working together and, um, you know, not just friends from work as uh, Thor would say. for Exactly. Uh, Yeah. She's super, super fun. All right, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, new character, Anthony Mackie, uh, making the debut, running around DC, getting lapped. Um, and I think it just, he, he kind of like, he has a great comic relief. Uh, you can tell by just how he interacts with Steve and Natasha and like, and also helping them. Like he's a good guy and he's a good soldier. And they're talking about, you know, he, he got out of the military and as soon as Steve and Nat are talking about, Hey, we need to do this. And he says, Hey, I'll help. You know, he's willing to help automatically. And other than that, you know, there isn't much of his, you know, we, he's a side character. We haven't seen a lot of personal growth and development for his character really in all of the movies that I can think of. Um, in terms of how he how he's grown and changed, you know, or mm-hmm. how he's been challenged on his personal values and the things that he thinks and believes. So I'm really hoping to see that in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. But yeah, he's a good character. He he's a lot of fun in fight sequences. Yeah, just him, zip, him zipping around and he uses just normal guns and he's zipping around and pulling these guns off his back and just spraying bad guys with bullets. He's fun. Yeah, he is super fun. Okay, Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson, mm. the man, the myth, the legend. What do you think of him? He's great. I, I think that he has an interesting development in this movie because he is dealing with some things in his past as well, but mm-hmm. we don't exactly know what they are or why they are or what's going on. Um, so, you know, at one point, Cap asks him to trust him, 
And he says, the last time I trusted somebody, I lost oh. my eye, right? Which is a super cool line, mm -hmm. but then Captain Marvel kind of makes it makes it super lame. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, come on. It does. Yeah, it makes it super uh, lame. But we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> We've got uh, a long way to go before we get there. But so you can see in this movie that he he's wrestling with things, right? He's wrestling. He's got somebody asking for him to display trust in somebody, and, you know, for him, that's a big deal because he just, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do it <laughs> at know? all. He doesn't know how to let people in and uh, trust others to do their job and do it well. You know, it's hard for him. Yeah. But at the end of the day, after he's been like, after that awesome action chase scene with him, which I will say now, probably one of the few plot holes of the movie is having this lightsaber type thing for him to cut through his car roof and pavement. Um, a little plot hole there as he escapes is like, where does he go? Yeah. He goes to Steve. Mm -hmm. He goes to Cap because he's like, I can trust this guy. Exactly. You know, he's not going to try and kill me. Nope. So, but yeah, I think we really got to see him more instead of just in one room and just kind of talking to people, which, you know, honestly, if you can get Samuel L. Jackson in a movie to talk to people, like you're probably going to get your money's worth no matter what. Absolutely. But seeing him like kind of be more of like a piece on the board rather than just hanging back or like in a control room or a conference room or something like that, you know? Yeah. All right. Alexander Pierce, the legend, Robert Redford. Yeah. I think, you know, he's fine. Um, He's kind of a mid-tier villain for me so far. Okay. Mid-tier. Um, I had no idea who, who, like, never read a comic with him before this or anything sure, like that. Sure. I think, you know, he's got that whole, that Thanos, like, oh, I'm actually just trying to save the world. Um, and, you know, he makes, like, a twisted sort of sense where, like, like, you can logically see how what he's saying could make sense, but at the same time, you know it's wrong, and so you have to stand against him. Mm -hmm. But, um it's hard for me in like movies like this characters that aren't physically opposing at all. Yeah. To be frightening at all. Um, if they, especially if they're just like a normal dude, you know, mm -hmm. he's just kind of a normal dude who just has a lot of power. Yeah. So very mid tier. Uh, he obviously gets points for being a good villain in terms of like having a plan that's kind of mastermind ish. Yeah. But he's fine. I don't know. Did you, do you disagree with that or? So I, and this will come out in my rankings. Now I'm I'm starting to feel great trepidation in my rankings because I put him pretty high. Okay, that's um, good. Because this is like, you know, he's just cold and calculating and there's no hesitation on what he's going to do. There's no, and like he's even playing the security council so well. Even after Nick Fury died, quote unquote, He's just like, hey, you know, he said we should stop it, so we're going to stop it. And then he plays them all, right? And so what he, they're like, nope. Uh, if Nick Fury wanted it to stop, then we need to go ahead and go. Like, he plays it so well. And he's been running this secret organization within another secret organization mm -hmm. under the nose of the most paranoid person that we know so far in this universe, Nick Fury. And nobody has any idea. So that's kind of like, as you were talking, as I was looking at my rankings and thinking about how you, um, I mean, we're, we're getting way off topic. You ranked uh, Killian so high because of what he was able to accomplish. Yeah. That's why I rank him higher on my, on my list. No, that's fair. I just, for, for me, for Killian, Killian's also physically imposing. Okay. That's he, true. Yeah. He, when he has the power surging within him, he's very, it's tough to fight. Whereas, yeah, he is tough to fight. Or as you see, Nick Fury is able to just shoot pew, him, you know, and bang, bang. Alexander kind of goes down. So he does, but we have not seen the last of him. That's true. So next, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. I mean, this dude is a bad man. Yeah. <laughs> he's a I bad like, man. I feel like he's one of your favorite characters in the MCU. Me? I feel like that. He's. I like him a lot. Yeah. I just think it's kind of. I think it's. As I would say, like it's really compelling to have a a good person, objectively, like he was a good guy, and then have him brainwashed to do terrible, horrendous things, and then have an awakening from that, almost like a rebirth, kind of like 
the scales are falling off of his eyes and he's, mm-hmm. he's seeing clearly he's like, what have I done? Who have I been? And then trying to remember and like in the same way as Steve, like put his life back together, but except he's a villain or he's been a villain for the past 70 years. And he's like, he was an assassin. He was not a good guy. Um, and he has all these skills and still like carrying that guilt Absolutely. and shame around. Um, but yeah, that's why I like him a lot. So, but you are less fond of him. No, I like Bucky. Fine. He just, um, he's fine. He just, you know, he's just kind of like a robot right now. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's by design. That's what the character is written as. And eventually that starts to slowly fade away as he, mm-hmm. as Bucky becomes Bucky again. Right. And by the time we get to where we are on the timeline, um, he's, you know, he's more of a person, but right now he's just like a robot. Yeah. A fighting robot that Steve has an attachment to. Exactly. All right. Uh, just a few characters to run through at the end. We've got uh, Rumlow, uh, Agent 13. Um, trying to think if there's anyone else. I think those two are the kind of the other like C-list characters uh, that are in the movie. Uh, Rumlow, who is also the alias's crossbones. I think, I mean, he's just basically a hitman. He's a bad guy. And then Agent 13, she's the the good guy still that's on kind of a, a lower level person. Like, yeah, they're setting her up as a, a love interest for Steve. Yeah. Which is questionable. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. All right. Quotes, scenes, scenes and quotes. Uh, we'll do popcorn style. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. So this is between uh, Romanoff and Steve. And she says, was I really your first kiss since 1945? <laughs> that bad, huh? <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, the first one that I have is in the intro of the movie after uh, Steve's been saying on your left and running past Sam says, you missed the good old days, huh? And Steve's like, well, things aren't so bad. Food's a lot better. Mm-hmm. We used to boil everything. No polio is good. Internet, so helpful. <laughs> Been reading a lot of chat trying to catch up. And just like thinking that's like kind of the funny things, like how helpful the internet would be to someone. Oh, gosh, yes. Just like coming from no technology, like no mobile phones, and like none of that stuff. And just like, oh, I can just look this up and whatever questions I want ever. That was pretty fun. My next one is um, somebody asked Steve. I can't remember who asked him now, but someone asked Steve, how do we know who the good guys are and who the bad guys? It's Sam, yeah. It's Sam, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're shooting at you, they're, they're bad. bad. <laughs> yeah, that's a really funny one. Uh, a sad one is like uh, Peggy with Steve. And they're seeing, he says, Steve, you're alive. You came back. He says, yeah, Peggy. She says, and she's starting to cry. And it's like, it's been so long, so long. And says, well, I couldn't leave my best girl. Not when she owes me a dance. That was just a super sweet callback to... The first movie and their history. I'm oh, sorry. I thought you were going to say no, 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 no. That's all. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really like this one. It, you mentioned this already, but Steve Rogers says the price of freedom is high and it's a price I'm willing to pay. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, another one that he has in his right before the, one of the most epic scenes ever is before we get started. Does anyone mm-hmm. want to get out? Oh, man. So good. So good. All right. That, uh, that one's really good, actually. That, yeah. that whole scene. There's There are a lot of good like little one-liners that they put in this you know, uh, film and like Captain America's films in general that they like pick up and repeat over the series over, or over the saga. Um, you have another one? Yeah, so this is another good one. Um, and that's actually from Peggy Carter. She says, the world has changed and none of us can go back. Mm. All we can do is our best. And sometimes the best we can do is to start over. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, the one that I, yeah, that's good. Another one I have from Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury. He's talking like after he's, you know, kind of rectifying that like Alexander Pierce is the villain, like one of his friends and is like, this man declined the Nobel Peace Prize. He said that peace is not an achievement, but a responsibility. 
It's stuff like this that gives me trust yeah. issues, which is like super sad as he's like kind of mourning that friendship from this guy that he knew for decades probably. And it's just like, you know, and then he was just a traitor all along. I don't have any more quotes. I've got two more. You want to go ahead? And- yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, after Sam's like the building's been uh, Sam has been fighting Rumlow. He's jumping out of the building. He says, 41st floor, 41st. And Nick says, it's not like they put the numbers on the outside of the building. Uh, that was really funny. And then Steve to Bucky, as he's like saying to Bucky, like what he said to Steve all those years ago, he says, I'm with you to the end of the line. And just really sweet about their friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, scenes now. Okay. My my first one is the the bridge fight scene when you have Steve, Natasha, Sam, and Bucky, known as the Winter Soldier, then all fighting. And uh, this is when Steve finally realizes who this mysterious man that they've been fighting is. He goes, "Bucky, you know, yeah, is that Bucky." And it's just a really good scene. the The choreography, the stunt choreography, is really well it's done. So good. Uh, I don't know if Chris Evans actually does the stunts. Probably not. But his stunt double is really great. Yeah. The choreography is, is really good in these fights. And the, the fight between Natasha and Bucky was actually really well done as well. And so this was a, a great scene for me. Yeah, that was awesome. I think the when the beginning with Cap fighting on the boat, just going through all of those guys um, and just just for just sprinting around and just being so silent and so precise uh with all of that and then he he jumps out of the airplane without a parachute and just as he's fighting batrock and just you know you're seeing him be a good fighter mm-hmm. and as you said really well choreographed fight scenes and because in the past it's like the fight scenes were okay but you you didn't get the full scope there was a lot of close-ups and, and in this movie you get you get to see them actually do all of the the punching, the kicking, the flips, all of it. It was awesome. I that's a good one. I I love the elevator, or not elevator, escalator. Well, elevator too, but the escalator scene with uh, Natasha and Steve when they are <laughs> yeah, that's in the mall. Yeah, when they're in the mall, they're hiding, and she's like, "Kiss me." He's like, "What?" She's like, "Yeah, public public displays of affection make people uncomfortable." He's and like, just, yeah, he's like, "Yes, they do." <laughs> and Steve looks so uncomfortable. It's great. Yeah, that's a good one. I already mentioned this before, but Nick Fury's car chase scene when um, like all these cops that are a Hydra agents obviously are like chasing him down and like it's really, really awesome to the music's great, the pacing and you're just like, he's in trouble, you know, he's in big, big trouble and it's really, really cool. I mean, this one is, it goes without saying, but the, the elevator the scene. The elevator scene, right? yeah. That's easily when like the best scene. He's leaving and he's essentially just giving away to Pierce that he's not on their side, right? That yeah. He's, he's going to fight against this and, and look into this deeper. And some people get into the elevator, it drops a little further. More people get into the elevator. And you notice, like, the, it's, it's funny, uh, they're requesting because this elevator is high tech and say so tell it where to go essentially or it responds to the button i can't remember but anyway yeah. it says verbally where they're going yeah and you've got these massive like, dudes these huge buff dudes and they're going to like records room records <laughs> accounting and it's yeah. like okay these people aren't lab techs <laughs> no seriously not yeah i thought it, i mean it's it's really cool to see in small ways like steve's skill in in noticing like the small things with like the guy's got his hand on the holster and then he looks over again and the other guy is sweating and just those small things that he's picking up in that scene plus the action is super awesome mm-hmm. um I, another scene that i had was steve uh, chasing the winter soldier and running through the office building after uh nick after fury got shot just watching him run, like barrel down those doors with his shield up. And it was just really, really cool. You have any more? Yeah. The, when Bucky told Steve that, um, you are my mission, that whole scene. Oh uh, yeah. So the Bucky and Steve fight the end and Steve tells him he's not going to fight him. He puts down a shield. 
you know, it's just this ultimate display of trust and friendship. And Bucky says, you are my mission. And then he jumps on him and just beats him to a pulp. Yeah. It's, it's kind of brutal to watch. Honestly. Yeah, it is. It is super brutal. Yeah. The last thing that I have, and you already mentioned is like anything with just Steve and Natasha kind of like, uh, flirting with each other or like bouncing off of each other or just having like arguments and like their chemistry is really a lot of fun. And I think Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson were like really good friends uh, before they both were cast in uh, the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's it's really a lot of fun. So getting into some questions, our first question is, so you are the hero. Okay. Would you rather have Black Widow, the Winter Soldier, or the Falcon as your sidekick slash partner? Am I, or is the assumption here that I'm just Captain America? Like, I know you're you said you're a hero. hero. You're a hero. Okay. You could be any hero that sure. you want. I think I'll still go Black Widow. I think that her, she's got, you know, this knowledge, like spycraft knowledge. This ability of espionage and computer skills, obviously like hacking, stuff like that, I don't think I have or would be able to have really. Yeah. And so I think she would complement the skill set. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I think she's the obvious choice at this point. <laughs> yeah, she's the obvious choice. Uh, and just in, um, you know, the Falcon, like, I just don't think we've seen enough of him at this point. The Winter Soldier obviously has issues. Um, you know, he could be brainwashed and turned against you at a moment's notice. And yeah, um, the Falcon, like if he falls out of the sky, like his, uh, then he just becomes a regular kind of soldier dude, which is great. But yeah, uh, she's definitely got the wide range of skill sets um, that I would say. Um, okay. Second question. As I was rewatching this, I noticed a lot of people die in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and so how do you feel about the number of people that are actually die and are killed in the movie, not just by the villains, but by the heroes as well? I mean, it's fine. Like, do we are we do we expect people to just not die during these like wars no, and fights? I no. Mean, because I think there's like, well, the heroes shouldn't kill people. You oh know? no, I'm not a Batman person in that regard yeah go for it man (laughs) i i think that in terms of um i think that our heroes are morally justified in their actions especially considering one they're trying to kill you so it's self-defense yeah um i'm not an ends justify the means person Mm -hmm. in terms of ethics but I do think that it, I think it's permissible. Okay. There. So let me throw this at you. Curveball, oh, switch genres and movies. Oh, no. Man oh, of no. Steel. Should Superman have killed Zod at the end? Uh, does he throw him into the prism thing? No, 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 no. So he's... Is that a different Superman? Different Superman. Okay. So in Man of Steel, he's got him subdued and they're in like a subway station. Uh-huh. And Zod, like, he's kind of got him in a headlock. And Zod's shooting his laser eyes towards this family that he's, like, about to kill. And he even says, you're going to have to kill me to stop me. And so the beams are getting closer and closer to this this mom and these kids. And then Superman snaps his neck and kills him. Oh, yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Okay. Glad we're in agreement on that. <laughs> All right. Okay. What Which Superman does he throw him? There's one. So that's like Zod. with Christopher Reeves. That's like in the 70s. Okay. Because, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just remember, I was like, how does he beat Zod? He throws him into the prison world. But yeah. That's a different. Exactly. Mind. Anyways, we digress. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you a fan of Steve and Nat being a couple? Yeah. You, I think it would have been great. I thought it would have been awesome. Yeah. They have good chemistry. Yeah. They're fun on screen together. I'm so much more a fan of this than Natasha and Bruce, you know? While that was a creation of Joss Whedon, like I think, like in some comics, like Steve and Nat actually like have a kid together, um, and yeah, I'm much more of a fan of this. I wish we could have seen that, but you know, they brought in Sharon Carter and then Peggy right. and all this stuff, and but no, I think this is totally fine. Um, I, I, I actually, I think it would have been really good, but whatever. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
So who has the best performance in the movie? Man, I, so I think there are three people that do have a really good performance. I think Chris Evans has a good performance. Yes. I think Scarlett Johansson has a good performance. Yes. And I think Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. Those, that trifecta, that, 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 that was my trifecta. trifecta yeah. yeah. I think all three of them have great performances. If I had to give it to somebody, I guess I would say, I guess, I'd, I'd say Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't even know why, but I think that he, he, he kind of rises above to me, at least when I think of this movie. Uh, so I actually chose Scarlett Johansson. I think I don't, I can't fault you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, she's just great. She's, she plays this kind of spy that is definitely like, she's definitely got secrets and like watching that play out against uh, Chris Evans and his kind of like, Hey, like very much on the straight and narrow. It's just a lot of fun. She does a really good job. Okay. Question number five. Do you think we'll, we'll we will see Hydra again in the future Marvel movies? in phase four and beyond if so how no i kind of think we're moving past this this threat right i think we're moving more um extraterrestrial cosmic cosmic and even more like mystic yeah in terms of our threats. especially with wandavision right i think we're moving more and more towards like demons and magic and then alien threats right we're gonna have the whole secret and secret wars with the scroll and yeah um scroll Scroll. So okay. Yeah. S K R U L L. Exactly. And so I think that we're moving kind of past these types of villains and more to the ET and uh, mystical. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, obviously, in the mid credit scene, we've get um, the Baron who's introducing, you know, Wanda and Pietro, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. It says, you know, we're moving past the age of heroes now. This is like the age of miracles. Mm-hmm. And so. Looking back, I kind of see that as a, it's like, yeah, I think we are moving past it. I don't know if we'll see how that will play out with, if it'll play out at all with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It seems like they're going in a different direction with more of kind of like, I think they're called the Flag Smashers are going to be the villains of it. But yeah, I don't think we'll we'll see much. Maybe it'll come up. Uh, Maybe it won't. I'm not sure. All right, now to get into our rankings. So starting with the heroes, I think uh, you went first last time, so I'll go first this time. Okay. All right, hero. So for those of you that may just be now tuning in, uh, we are doing all of our rankings for heroes, villains, and movies that we've seen up to this point as we go through it. So uh, any new heroes uh, that are coming in later Marvel movies, you know, we'll do those as we come to it. So number one, I have Captain America, number two, Black Widow, three, Iron Man, four, Hulk, five, Thor, six, Falcon, seven, Hawkeye, eight, War Machine. Okay. So obviously Captain America and Black Widow had a great movie and jumped up above Iron Man, who had a little bit of a lackluster third movie, in my humble opinion. What about you? So here, as I said, Iron Man 1, Black Widow 2, Captain America 3. So he moved up a spot for me. 4, Falcon. Okay. 5, Hulk. 6, Hawkeye. 7, Thor. 8, War Machine. Yeah, War Machine. You're going to be down there a long time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so Iron Man's still at number one. Mm -hmm. Why did you put... So Black Widow's been above Captain America for a while for you. Yeah, but what I did this t- what what shifted here is Captain America and Falcon passed Hulk for me. Okay, is there a reason why Falcon is better than Hulk in your opinion? Is the reason why you just like him? Wait, say that. I'm sorry. Why, why did why is Falcon above Hulk? Because I feel like if they they were to throw down. Oh, no, I just like him better. Um, oh, okay. This is not a, if this is a list of who I think would win, Thor would be at the top. Yeah. We'd call it quits. Okay. So you're liking Falcon better mm-hmm. than, okay. All right. Villain, I have one Loki, two Aldrich Killian, three Obadiah, four Red Skull, five Alexander Pierce, six Ivan Banco, seven Abomination, eight Malekith. Okay. Uh, so I have one Loki, two Red Skull, three Obadiah. Uh, four Alexander Pierce, five uh, Whiplash Vanco. Uh, am I on five? 
Anyways, next one, <laughs> Abomination, Aldrich Killian, Malekith. Yeah, I'm glad we both have Malekith at the bottom. He's, yeah. He's awful. Yeah, he stinks. He's a big, big stinky. Um, all right, movies. Getting into movies. Okay, so number one for me, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Two, Iron Man. Three, Captain America the First Avengers. Four, Avengers. Uh, five, Iron Man 2. Six, Thor. Seven, The Incredible Hulk. Uh, eight, Iron Man 3. Nine, Thor the Dark World. Okay, so we have a, a decent bit of difference here, actually. Yeah. So I have one, Iron Man. Two, Winter Soldier. Three, The Avengers. Four, Iron Man 3. Five, Captain America, the first Avenger. Six, Iron Man 2. Seven, Thor. Eight, Incredible Hulk. And f- nine, Thor, Dark World. Okay. Yeah. You... I think the, the listeners, if they're paying attention, are beginning to see where we sit on uh, Iron Man, <laughs> Captain <Yes>. America. <laughs> but that's fun. That's fun. I'm glad. Um, all right. Overall reflections, final grade. Yeah. So I really like this movie. I like Cap in a more, um, the more terrestrial. You know, yeah. The more, very much earthbound. The more earthbound the movie is, the more I like Captain America. Yeah. Right. He has some good moments in the very end of the, the infinity saga. Right. He has some moments that are good, but um, yeah, I, I like him more in this type of stuff. So I gave this movie an a minus. Okay. And I gave it an a, I really, really like this movie a lot. As you can see, it's uh, I mean, depending on the day, like, I mean, on which movie I watch, whether it's Iron Man or The Winter Soldier, like those two could go back and forth. You know, it's pretty seamless, but I watched this movie yesterday. So right now it's above it. And yeah, I thought the action scenes were great. A few plot holes that I'm kind of like, okay, that doesn't make a ton of sense. Mm. But um, I think hiding the drive in a vending machine was not a great decision. No, it wasn't smart. Um, Worked out okay. Yeah, it worked out okay. But through and through, like, yeah, I'm like, it's not perfect. I was leaning towards A+, plus, but I'm like, no, this movie has some flaws. So, yeah, I sit with an A. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for another episode of The Brad Report. We hope that you dug what you heard. We hope that you will like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, follow us on social media. And until next time, love you 3000.